Well, this chip on my shoulder won't come off. I scrubbed and scrubbed until I was red raw. Reconstructed full of filler. Somebody break the bronze soul. I guess I'm just a peasant from up north. Okay. Hello, A-Man. How are you? Good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Running around a lot. It like, see, I'm trying to do too much in a day, and then people are asking me to do things in like an hour. Anyway, I know you've travelled with your family, haven't you? You went away with your dad not so long ago. Your dad seems pretty cool. He was. You went to... Can I say where you went to? We can. You can, absolutely. We went to... Uh... We went on a solo trip, father and son, uh, to Israel, and it was such an incredible trip. And boy, oh boy, am I happy that we're not there currently, mm. or you know, over the last week with everything that's been going on. That was great. Yeah, that was really nice. Mm. Um, it's the only time that I've been away with just my dad, mm. and it's uh, it was a special holiday. It was. Yeah. yeah. Good time. Good time. Great place so much history um such a spiritual place to visit especially jerusalem yeah yeah interesting um, yeah enjoyed by all and what was your dad's what was your dad's thoughts on it he loved it he he he's into his history as i am and so for him seeing places that he had read about throughout his life yeah was really really something special i mean i remember as we were driving i've got one enduring memory of driving into jerusalem and then you can see the gold mm. of what are the temple mount is it or temple the, mount yeah dome rock the dome yeah. and then you've got the different prayers going on different wailing garden of gethsemane mount and you know just mm. seeing, uh, I think here in, we we live in, in a religious, irreligious country, don't we? Mm -hmm. Where religion is a hobby for mm. a lot of people. Not yeah. a hobby, they, you know, but something that happens at the weekend. It has its place. So it, was, it has its place mm. on a Sunday morning, whereas <laughs> there it's an umbrella for everything else mm. in people's lives, and it was it was incredible to see that mm. in, in in all its different shapes and sizes and colours and intimidating in a way, I guess. Or was that? I, you, do you know what? One, one evening, I got, um, I went for a walk and got a little bit lost in an in an ultra orthodox Jewish mm. uh, neighbourhood, mm. and they were all heading to the synagogue after mm. Sabbath, sundown on Sabbath, mm. and they were all, and that I wouldn't say it was intimidating, but it was a little bit unsettling for mm. someone who has grown up in Carlisle. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, different world, isn't it? Different world. Yeah. I mean, we can't. It's very hard to discuss Israel without sounding partisan one way or the other, isn't it? Without sounding political, or it's a dangerous territory to get into. Isn't it? I know you've done a lot of research recently, but we're not going to dwell on that, are we? We're going to we're going to keep it lighthearted. Ah, <laughs> uh, we could we could we could have a brief overview of what's going over there, going yeah. on over there this over the last week, because that's interesting, isn't it? It is. It's all interesting. I mean, it's scary for. Palestinians and Jews, I guess they're all the regular people just trying to go about their everyday business. It must be intimidating for all of them, mustn't it? Anyway, we want to keep it lighthearted for our many, many listeners. We've had so, so, so much good feedback, man. <laughs> it's, 
It's unbelievable from all over, from Japan, from New York. What do, what do we do with all these letters? Well then, come on, get with the times, 2021 boy. No one writes letters, it's all emails. That's what I meant, emails. <laughs> anyway, so should we start off? Should we get stuck into this? Because as I say, I don't want to get hassled for being late for a sudden booking. Joe's Dilemma this week, are we? We're doing Joe's Birdwatching Dilemma. It's a slight spin on the original format of Joe's Dilemma where he helps or intervenes or doesn't, as the case might be, in some sort of crime. Yeah. Usually a crime that's going on a perceived crime. <laughs> some crime I've witnessed. Well, birdwatching bird crimes. What have you learned? What did you do yesterday when you were birdwatching? I, I, well, do you know what? I, I've, I've been birdwatching now. I, I started birdwatching during the first lockdown last year. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people, initially I thought it was for old people mm -hmm. and losers. And losers. That's horrific. Old people and losers. That's the two categories that I would oh. <laughs> designate birdwatching to. But That's I went out and, and, and to be honest, I had to fake it until I felt it. And I, so the first couple of times, um, my wife, Nadia, she bought me a pair of cheap binoculars and she bought me a little copy of the RSPB, uh, mm. Birds That You Can See in Britain book. Mm. And I just thought, this is, I hope, really hope this grows on me because my granddad used to love it. Mm. He was really, really into it. He actually wrote different books on different birds that you can see in Northern England during the different seasons. Behave. So I was like, there's gotta be something in this. Um, so, you, you know, you start with the common birds and you begin to recognize those and I was sketching every bird mm. that I saw mm. um, to help me remember where I'd seen it and you know what I was doing that day mm. and then you begin to recognize different calls and then I really started getting into it and you know I, what the, the, the aspect I think that I love about it personally is the gamble mm. so for example yesterday I drove up to Leighton Moss in near Morecambe because there are certain types of birds that you can see there that are pretty rare. Mm. And it's a one and a half hour drive, you know, so that's just Saturday afternoon. It's yeah. a lot of fuel money, obviously, from from where I live in Liverpool. And you're thinking, if I make this effort, if I make this journey and I don't see anything, it's a total waste of time. Mm. But So I got up there, it was a gorgeous day, and it's a great RSBB centre there at Leighton Moss. They've got some really cool things. They've built a sky tower that you can walk up and look at different birds. And I saw a marsh harrier, which was really, really nice. Mm. Followed that around with my binoculars for about seven to ten seconds. That was amazing. And then I, I saw a bittern, mm. which is, uh, again, pretty rare. They were on the verge of extinction um, in the 60s, 70s, but they've been reintroduced. So it was it was amazing. It was such a great day. Um, I'm gonna to, oh, you're going to have to take a call. Unbelievable. Because my phone's, that's so unprofessional, my phone's not even on silent. I, I can keep talking about this if you like. <laughs> I'm sure the listeners are gagging for more. Somehow I've not my phone on to ring. I always have it on silent and it's on ring. Sorry about that, man. So you saw the bittern, the harrier? Marsh harrier, the bittern. And the bittern, it, honestly, if you heard a bittern, you would think to yourself, what the heck is that because it's call it sounds like 
booming dance music coming from a faraway festival tent. It's like, whoom, whoom. That's what it sounds like. Mm. It's, it's a really distinct call. They call it booming. Yeah. So I was walking and I heard that and I was like, oh my goodness me, there's a bittern nearby. Yeah. And then I went into one of the little hides and an old guy that was there tipped me off actually. He said, if you go into that hide and you look at 10 o'clock, I'm sure there's a bittern's nest. And if you're there for long enough, you'll see this bittern. So I went into the hide, and I must have been there for 10, 15 minutes, and I was thinking, oh, man, it'd be really cool if I saw this bird. And it did. It just appeared on the skyline above the little lake that was there and then flew down, and I saw it for about, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Right. But it's those moments. It's, they are the moments of a bird watcher that you just think, Pure, oh, this is yeah. gold. This Pure is ecstasy. gold. ecstasy moment. Oh, yeah. So... And, and the other thing is, I keep saying to Nadia, I said, you should come with me, just because the, the, the centres are always so tranquil. They're yeah. so calm. The people there are such peaceful creatures. Yeah. It's a brilliant day out, you know? It's lovely. Mm -hmm. Oh, good. Is a bit in a small bird or a big bird? I'm sure I'm ignorance now, aren't I? Big bird. It's about the size of a heron, but it's right. brown, and it's got like a strange-looking uh, neck. It's got like a fat neck that kind of connects its chest to its head. Right. Really unusual looking bird. Okay. But uh, but its call is even more unusual. Yeah. So there wow. you go. That's 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 what I'm into. That's right good. Now, that's good. Know. That's a good hobby. And you're doing it for just your own joy. It's not like you're taking photos or you know no, trying no, to. No, 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 no. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. My wife's into bird watching quite a bit. We yeah, lots. we've we've had a couple of conversations, your wife and I, about yeah, it, haven't we? She loves the birds. I mean, I do as well. I love watching the little tiny birds. There's all kinds of small birds around ours flying around, you know, all the little tits and things, you know, various. Yeah. We were talking about this this morning, you know, all the different ones and the wrens. We had a wren's nest last year, which the kids loved. You know, we saw them come out in the morning. They were all on the floor, like, jumping around. Because it was actually in a box, which was unusual, because it wasn't even that high up. It was literally, you know, on the wall, just above where we sit in the back garden. Yeah. So... It was kind of cool because they, they could see the mother taking the food there and doing all the stuff for months leading up to it. It was good, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so you, you're a casual, you're a casual bird watcher. You'd say. Yeah, I'm a bit of a casual. I, I get it, but I, I'm not. Yeah, I've never invested in it that much. No, no. I do like going to Mia Sands Woods and places like locally, mm -hmm. you know, different ones, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get it. I do get it somewhat, but I've never really gone for it. So the dilemma was, if you go, you may not see anything, but you did, and it paid yeah, off. Yeah, that's it. I suppose that is the dilemma, to tie it into our, our usual feature. It was a dilemma, but um, it paid off. It paid off. Cool, man. Well, that's a nice hobby. I'm sure people are getting into different things they wouldn't normally during the lockdown because we're in this change situation where maybe you have a little bit more time to think and to appreciate nature and look at things and to learn things from nature and that's what it's all about isn't it just learning stuff good I, think, I like it Go on, I think so. just, just on that point I was in Waterstones the other day and obviously yeah, as you walk in you see all of the best sellers mm. and five six seven of the books must all have been about you know stuff like rewilding and getting outdoors and mm. gardening I think there's a real human need for it all at the moment isn't that definitely that's a good yeah i like that because it keeps us grounded doesn't it seeing these creatures and 
it helps us to kind of reset our brains, doesn't it, from all the clutter and all the nonsense that isn't important. Absolutely. Yeah. That leads us on to books, the Waterstones. Little, uh, I was thinking we could do some book reviews. Then, yeah, right? it's a good segue. I was thinking, are there any books you want to comment on that you've read recently? I was going to comment on one to start with, if you don't mind. You kindly, you bought me it as a present, which was a really, I was really grateful because it was a, it was a great book. The uh, Adam Buxton's latest book, Ramble book. I don't know if you've, you've not read it. You just bought it for us, and you've not bought a copy yourself. I know how much you love Adam Buxton and those all of those guys, Louis Theroux. So uh -huh. I thought you'd appreciate that book. How did you find it? Good, really funny. And even though he's maybe only a couple of years, a few years older than myself, I could relate to everything he was saying about eighties culture and all that yeah. kind of stuff, film and music. It was so good, and it was so funny the way it's written. And he's got a nice way of writing, self-deprecating and funny and just honest. And yeah, we grew up watching the Adam Joe, Adam and Joe show on like Channel Four, right, yeah. and listening to their podcasts. Or it was a radio show on XFM, and then BBC Six. And it, you know, it's just a really nice book. And I know it's coming out in paperback in the next. Or I think in the last week it's come out in paperback. And I was listening to him talk about that on his podcast when he was talking to Joe Cornish. But it's yeah, it's a great book. I recommend it to anyone who just wants a gentle, funny kind of reflective book it's nice I'll pass it on to you when I've finished it if you want it's worth reading yeah that sounds that sounds good and it looks nice good. the hardback looks like a really nice object as well to have on your yeah. bookshelf I like your bookshelf behind you that looks smart ah uh, well this is this is the the fruitage of an English literature student degree uh -huh. um, obviously Nadia studied English literature at uni didn't she so uh -huh. these this is three years worth of yeah yeah High-minded reading, <laughs> James Joyce and the like, kind of highfalutin. Yeah, yeah all yeah. of that. Uh, do you know that. what? I, uh, she, she's always encouraging me. She'll say, "You like that one? You like that one?" And I have. Yeah. I read um, *The Great Gatsby*. Oh yeah. Uh, not, not so long ago. Um, it's a classic. So I'm trying to work my way through. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's a good collection, isn't it? Obviously, listeners can't see it. But it looks smart. Classics, yeah, it looks smart. Ours is a real eclectic mix. Our bookshelf is a real mix of the ones you don't feel embarrassed people seeing. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. The bookshelf downstairs is kind of like all the Orwells and the Steinbecks and the Cormac McCarthy's. Oh, Reese is reading a lot. Reese, the R man, is reading a lot of good books at the moment. He's bought a lot of nice hardbacks. He's really he? investing heavily in good books. He's he's reading For Whom the Bells Toll, Hemingway at the moment, which is a great book. Hemingway is a very manly masculine writer isn't he <laughs> he's I don't know if yeah he's just a really good writer obviously have you ever read that one For Whom the Bells Toll I haven't I, I, I really I've been on for the last couple of years I have been pretty rigid in reading just non-fiction yeah. I don't know why I just love it I've, I've not read a lot of fiction yeah, yeah. to be honest that like, is a fiction book right I don't yeah it is like, no it is you're right it's fiction <laughs> it's it's yeah it's a fictional book set in the Spanish Civil War, you know, but I know what you mean. I'm the same. I don't know what... I'm really struggling to pick up a fiction book, you know, like Hemingway's and Orwell's. I love, but I've just been reading history books. I've become a complete history nerd. I've just finished a book about the RAF and Fighter Boys. I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it, but it was good. I just thought it was really interesting because every page, there was a harrowing story on it. A wow. real life... I was like... 
this is every page is like a whom the bells toll just on a page and it's real life do you know what i mean some of those lads who were 20 21 flying these machines and and the germans were going through it the same you know some of the stories were just horrible and horrific and like wow heartbreaking do you know what i mean the battle of britain and leading up to the battle of britain and the fighting over dunkirk and stuff and i think you know, my granddad was at dunkirk vicky's granddad flew a spitfire so you kind of relate to these guys who went through this experience yeah. And also the British people back home were going through this experience. They were seeing the planes above them, bombs landing on our cities and stuff. So it's just an interesting book, anyway. Oh, it's a terrible book review. I don't even know the name of the writer off the top of my head. I didn't plan to mention that, though. I didn't plan. Go on. I was, I was planning on showing you this anyway, so I might as well do it now whilst we're on topic. You'll have to describe it because our listeners can't see as well. Yeah, so I'll just pick this up the ship. Shelf, this is uh, The Anarchy, The Relentless Rise of the East India Company by William Dalarimple. Oh, yeah. I think that's how you pronounce his yeah. name. Rampant, brilliant, passionate history. Cool. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to reading that. Is that like 1700s leading up it to is, the... It is, yeah. It's the, um, uh, the East India Company and how it became, it's became like a global corporate power. Uh -huh. It's quite a big book, so but apparently it's really, really good, so I'm looking forward to that. What's that called again, sorry? Read the again. Anarchy. The Anarchy. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, well, tell us next week, no, next time. Say next week. Apologies to our listeners, because sometimes we don't get sit down for weeks. We did plan to sit down about three weeks ago, but with family stuff going on, you had stuff with Nad you needed to help her with. And, yeah, like, sometimes yeah. when you're living a regular life... You know, you just have to kind of drop things suddenly, don't you? And what you planned, you have to scupper. But we will try and do it more regularly. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So book book section could be a regular section, couldn't it? Maybe. Do you know what yeah, I mean? We could I, talk. Well, and this is this is a, a call for the R man. Our man needs to join us and tell us about these books he's he's been reading. I know. We need a foil to our two dulcet voices. We need somebody who's like a kind of Carl Pilkington, you know, a bit subdued, a bit quietly clever different way yeah. of looking at things or we need someone just to argue with us because we agree too much we never argue enough that's the problem isn't it there needs to be more friction <laughs> we need to say shut up I disagree <laughs> those birds don't give me a linnet or whatever it's called <laughs> was it a linnet <laughs> <laughs> it was a bitten bitten oh, you weren't even listening I know I had nothing terrible double air <laughs> that's my worst interviewer I would be Bitten, terrible bitten. Man, sorry, 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 sorry. Anyway, what was that book you read recently? The other one about, uh, like, about information and the way we're controlled and stuff. Yeah, what was that? One? That was. I wish I'd. I would have scribbled down some notes for that if I knew I was going to be reviewing it. It was called the um, the Shallows, mm. and in a nutshell, it talks about what the internet is doing to our brains and his theory and it's one i believe in too is that the internet is making us stupid mm. it's making uh, our attention spans are shrinking mm. and our memory in terms of remember because we anytime you want to know something now mm. you can just google it and you get yeah. superficial information super yeah. fast yeah, yeah and you and your brain doesn't associate it with anything else and you end up forgetting it whereas sure. in the past when the internet wasn't available and you wanted to know something you'd read about it mm. And you'd spend time really deep thinking, trying to understand whatever the topic was, mm -hmm. and you would store that memory 
uh, for a lot longer than we do, mm. you know, now. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, but he talks about the way the different technologies have affected us throughout the years, beginning way back when with the map and then the clock mm. and then, you know, the Gutenberg press when the book first came along. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a fascinating book. It really is. I wholeheartedly recommend it. Cool. The Shallows. The Shallows. For all those shallow people out there, stop being so shallow. Yeah, yeah cool. I want to read that. It sounds interesting. I do want to read it. I mean, it definitely is making us thicker. Thicker. That's such a northern term, isn't it? More thick. Yeah. <laughs> thick. <laughs> it's making us, yeah, lazy. I remember, like, one of those early Ricky Gervais podcasts with Carl Pilkington in the early 2000s, and they were joking about having a chip. But they were, weren't joking. They were talking about the possibility in the future of people having Google accessible almost inside their head. They were joking about it, but they were saying... Would that be you? Would that be Google? But what you're talking about is actually, we've become so attached to our devices, it is almost like an extension of our minds, and we're not developing those neuro pathways like you're saying. So we've become so lazy, we just go, what's this? And it gives you the answer, and then you forget it. Like, I forgot that bird name as soon as you said it. My brain must be like mush, and I don't even go on the internet that much. <laughs> you, you are. <laughs> I'm an example really of a shallow thinker. Example. I'm shallow go from the north. <laughs> oh, thanks. Don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. It kind of leads us on to films. I thought, having done books, we could have a little chat about films. And people might relate to what we're saying. They might go, oh yeah, I've listened to that, or I was going to watch that. But now I'm not going to, because you put me off it. Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to watch that. I thought The Social Dilemma, you, you recommended I watch the film Social Dilemma. Yeah, I, I, and that is, you know, as an extension of what we, what the, the book, that's what made me buy the book was watching that documentary. Now, what did you think of that? That was gripping, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. It was really good. I like the interviews with all the ex-executives from all those companies like Twitter and, and Google, and and they were kind of coming clean for whatever reason. They mustn't have got good settlement agreements to be coming clean so honestly. Do you know yeah, what I mean? They were, they I was were thinking, very honest. They were telling career change and truths about what they were into and what they were doing they must have made so much good money that they'd retired i guess but it wasn't like they left with a settlement agreement and a what is it called like a contractually binding thing where they couldn't speak because they were really open weren't they these guys were saying oh we did this and basically the thing i took away with it from it was that we are the commodity that's being traded you know where they were saying whereas in the past they used to trade and they still do trade you know pork bellies or gold our attention is being traded and we're being played with by all these vast computers that collectively are kind of manipulating us. And the other thing I got from it, I don't know if you agree with me on this, that I think one point they made was that if you think a certain way and you look at certain news sources to kind of validate what you already think, be it right-wing or left-wing or nationalistic, it will make you more so that way. So the news that's yeah. fed to you then on your devices and your whatever you're going on, newsfeed, will make you more extreme down that end. So we become more polarised as a society. And you're looking at America where Democrats and Republicans, they were getting so that they had no crossovers anymore. They were completely, do you know what I mean, separate. That's they hated right. yeah, each yeah. other and viewed each other as like alien species that they just couldn't even tolerate or be friends with on any platform. <laughs> what do you think? Do, do you get that? Yeah echo chamber that's what they call it isn't it when right. the algorithms begin to recognize what it is that you're after so they just keep feeding you more and more and more and it becomes more and more kind of condensed doesn't it mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've seen it I've seen it in my own um, 
my own usage of just the other day I went to check a Liverpool score because they'd played the, the evening before and obviously today's the, the final day of the Premier League isn't mm. it but I was wanting to know how Liverpool had gone I'm a United fan uh, so I, I don't particularly want Liverpool to do very well so I was just checking the score Ooh. and then the next thing I got a little pop up for um, you know uh, an interview with Jurgen Klopp or something and I thought wow just one I've checked one thing yeah. and it's already trying to feed me more he was offering you a job he was offering you an interview <laughs> I'd love that but no it was offering it was offering me more Liverpool content I thought yeah, yeah. Man, it's it's uh, you know straight yeah. away it's, yeah, yeah. it's immediate but it's it was scary I, 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 the, the scary thing is and I'm sure we've talked about this after you watched it was despite us watching it thinking yeah. right that's it I'm coming off social media yeah. I'm keeping my phone in another room whatever it is that you're going to do within like a few days you, you find yourself just mindlessly scrolling and you wake up and you go oh my goodness mate it's happening again yeah 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 did you find that? absolutely yeah it, it stopped me for about a week oh Reese is unusual that he doesn't use his phone very often and my wife maybe a bit more, but she said to me, you, what, you're using that phone more after you've watched that documentary you told me about? Oh, she reckoned uh, after a few days, I'm like, oh, maybe. Maybe it made me... Because I just thought, well, I don't know. Things like Facebook are banal sometimes. I know you've jibbed all those things off, haven't you? You've stopped using them altogether. I have, but I think once you, what you find is... You, you, they, they just become replaced with different things, like the Sky Sports app. Yeah. Or, you know, you just, or go, I'll go on The Guardian, I'll read The Guardian, mm -hmm. amongst other newspapers. Yeah. And, you know, you just, it's just your phone is the most interesting thing on earth. Yeah. It's so colourful and interactive that you just want to touch it. You just want to see what's going on in it. I know. It is crazy, isn't it, that you can send out all these messages to 20 people and then you can look at a book or you can order some shoes and da-da-da. Yeah. I mean, you think there are people still, you know, third of the earth still living on a pennies a day we've got these oh, ridiculous okay. devices and we're walking around you know you can be looking at I don't know stock markets cryptocurrency or whatever you want to look at it's crazy or if someone says what's the name of that actor in that film and you just click on it and it's there it is an unreal thing isn't it that we, as kids we wouldn't have been able to imagine that do you know what I mean like we were blown oh, away by yeah. holograms you know like hologramic holographic cards <laughs> that they move slightly we go Wow, and I used to have dreams that you know maybe they talk or something, but yeah. to actually have a device, I've, I've seen it with our kids. We have to pretend our phones are broken most of the time or hide them, because they go through phases of one told your phone. Mum used to try and keep them asleep and uh, keep them awake in the car. We'd be like, give them the phone, and they become obsessed with the phone and watching videos and da -da -da, these little magic square devices or the iPad. And you think it, it's yeah. not good. You see their behaviour and their little brains just getting overloaded and. We, we kinda... as, a, as a parent, it must be so hard to resist the urge to just give your kid an iPad. Yeah, you always promised, yeah, you're right. We always promised we'd never be like that, but in situations you find yourself doing it, just to keep them quiet when you're yeah. in a cafe or in your drive and someone's trying to keep them awake so they don't, they don't have a kip, and then they're up with you till midnight that night. Do you know what I mean? So you go, yeah. okay, needs must, give them that. And like, But to be honest, we've had them off it for the last month they've been off all devices largely they've been watching a bit of tv and that but oh it's, it's films, almost like films. funny now when you see children watching tv like that's that's like them reading tolstoy isn't it compared to watching youtube or something like that <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like wow they're really they're educating themselves by watching tv rather than watching some kid unpackage like yeah. a box in utah or something i know 
I know what to be honest to be fair I have to be honest I do watch YouTube occasionally but I, I just need to get in a balance you know you can't have them playing outside all the time you can't have them making models and doing paper mache or whatever and we do all those kind of things you know because <laughs> we are pretty focused on our kids we're not I'm lucky that my work isn't that consumer I'm not you know what I mean so I've got all that time and as a family I think they get a lot of input so if they're reading books like your eldest girl is now and you think great the reading that opens up worlds doesn't it and you know what I mean they're sitting with family they're playing we're going for walks like last night when I got back from the airport we went for a we took them for like some fast food and then and then we went to eat it on the beach but they ate it in the car and then we went for a lovely walk down one of the beaches it was beautiful the sunset we didn't realise we got there it was about 8 o'clock by the time we came off the beach it was like 9 but it was, the sun was still shining it was deserted it was gorgeous do you know what I mean we thought where is everybody there's no one around but I suppose it was Saturday night and uh, it's getting that balance between those kind of experiences and being sat in front of any kind of screen or whatever but yeah That's I mean right, yeah in terms of phones and social media, I don't want my kids to ever, the little ones anyway, to ever. That was the interesting thing about Social Dilemma as well. They said about suicides amongst preteens and teens. And it linked to 2010 when they all started getting devices that could get them onto these things where they yeah, were yeah. so analysed by their peers. Like, my goodness. And, and the effect that was having on their mental well-being, you just kind of think, there's a direct correlation there, isn't there? What do you, get, oh, what do you think about that? Particularly in girls, wasn't it? They highlighted that that it's young girls um, who are perhaps maybe more conscious of their image and the the bullying that they can receive online, and so hyper aware of how they look and how they're presenting themselves to other friends. You know, and, and I think I we've, we've touched on this as well, but just the puppet masters behind the scene. And the, the, the techniques that they're implementing to keep us addicted. That was one thing I read, it could have been in the shallows, but it, it might have been elsewhere, that Google used 41 different shades of blue mm. on their search bar to see which shade attracted most clicks. Right. That is the kind of effort, that is the kind of extent, extent that they're going to, yeah. to ensure that their products are as colourful and as, as attractive to us as users. And we don't, we don't know that. We don't know that. We just use it and go, oh, that, I want to press that. Do you know what I mean? It's I yeah, I mean, that's weird. And obviously that's their job and someone's justifying their income by doing that kind of analysis. I don't have a problem with that so much. What colour got the most clicks? Because obviously they want to get the most clicks, don't they? But do you know what I mean? And, and they used to do that with packaging for, you know, Mars bars or whatever I guess but there wasn't as immediate the feedback wasn't as immediate it would take a lot more effort to change the packaging and the, the factories and the production of those bars or oh, we're not selling yeah. as many Mars bars or whatever but now it's so immediate they can just change it with a couple of clicks on their mouse the colour pixels or whatever so I get that yeah. but it's more the fact that they're throwing stuff at you on your screen and they're trying to show you people's profiles to try and decide who you should be friends with almost and that level of control you kind of think it's like some sort of Isaac Asimov science fiction from the 60s but you know whether that is super brain trying to control those little ants that I mean I maybe I'm kidding myself but I feel maybe because I'm older than these teenagers I feel like if I don't want to buy something I'm not going to buy it if I don't want to look at that person I'm not going to look at yeah. it I feel more in control but then kids have a lot more time on their hands to look oh yeah absolutely and they're getting slowly pushed down a certain path 
without maybe being fully conscious about it. Whereas we're a bit more cynical, we might go, nah, I've got better things to do than look at Joe Bloggs' profile or whatever. I know. I don't know. I know. Saved from a lot of hurt, aren't you? I suppose if you don't know which parties you've not been invited to and all that <laughs> kind of thing growing up. True, yeah, true. That would have been bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you, it's all over. As soon as that happens now, kids see it and it's yeah. emotional pain. And that's what you mean. That's what leads to them feeling depressed and feeling anxious. There is a, a link there, not to go down the dark hole, but. I don't know. You have to imbue the... These things are real, man. These are real, yeah, and we can't appreciate what young ones are going through because we're not that age anymore. But I think I think it's about giving your kids and giving the young ones a sense of worth that's separate to these devices in this little cyber world and saying, you're bigger and better than that, you're worth more than that. Mm-hmm. But it's trying to get that ingrained into your children and whether you've got some adults there who can really ingrain that resilient way of thinking into their kids so that they genuinely are not going to fall into the traps of feeling insecure, feeling left out, feeling not good enough. And all these like people, these so-called like role models you see, you think, oh man, they're just such a bad influence, aren't they? They're called influencers, I guess, aren't they? Yeah, anyway, listen to us, we're like a couple of old farts down the pub just <laughs> going off on I know, one. I know. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But that was a social dilemma. Anyway, watch it, see what you think. <laughs> Let's try and cover the other films dead quick, just much more quickly, and see how we get on. The Peanut Butter Falcon, Shia LaBeouf, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, that's a good good effort. That was a fantastic film, wasn't it? That was brilliant. Zach Gutsagen, I'm not sure how that's... He was great as well. The he young, was. The young lad, he was good. What did you make of the whole film? I know you and I'd watched it. What did you think of it? I, uh, it's just a, f- it's it's one of those brilliant feel-good films, but with quite sensitive moments in it as yeah. well, isn't it? Obviously, yeah, yeah. A young, a young man with Down syndrome. And then, how would you describe Sheila Buff's character? He's an interesting character, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's obviously hurting, he's suffering, he's damaged by the world, and he's cynical, and he's angry, and he's a bit like, what's the point in anything? But then he finds these characters that were the least likely characters kind of pull him out of himself and give him That's a purpose right, yeah. and he becomes like a protector and a kind of guide to this young lad who's 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 been rejected as well so maybe they're both feeling rejected in different ways by life by their circumstances and he's kind of he's aspiring to be a wrestler isn't he the young guy the uh, dancing general it's, it, it's an interesting dynamic when they first meet as well because um Sheila Buff, I've forgotten what's his what's his name in the in the film. In the film, in the film yeah. Can't remember. I've totally forgotten. But he's, <laughs> he's, he's totally nonchalant towards yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach having like learning difficulties, isn't he? There's, yeah. There's no, he doesn't care at all. Yeah. That doesn't even seem to register to, to him, which is at first you think, oh, that's a bit bizarre, but yeah, it actually turns out to be a really nice thing because he just kind of accepts him for who he is. That's always been my philosophy. You know what? I don't want to go into what I do, but it involves people with different, you know, I try not to read too many details. I used to read some of them and I go, that's depressed me. Backgrounds of, what was it? Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like the people who I've worked with, I like just to take them on face value and whatever they, like that guy in the film. And I think that, that helps you. You just take them as they come and you go, well, hopefully they'll do the same for me. And you just take each other and it is a good film in that respect that at first I was watching it thinking oh no I felt a bit cynical like 
this is just going to be like a kind of spin on Rain Man or something, you know, like the tough guy, worldly wise, helps the person with the difficulty. Okay. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a modern day Hoffman cruise effort. But it was, it was, it was different to that. And it was more, it had its own elements that made it, that made it good. Anyway, we covered it. We recommend it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's, I think it's a, um, I want for a Saturday night, a bit of popcorn, a good family film as well. That's yeah, yeah. where I'd place that. Cool. Okay. My sister and her kids love it. Did they watch it as well? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. She's watched it like three times. With three her. times? How old are the kids? Um, Maybe eight, seven. Uh-huh. They must be quite okay, mature. Maybe. Yeah. Would, they, would she watch it with the kids? Maybe she didn't watch it with the kids. Maybe it was just her. Would you watch it with your children? The, maybe. I think the youngest is four now. I don't know if he'd fully appreciate it. I think you have to have a little bit of... Uh, Maturity. I think you were 10, maybe. But anyway, okay, we recommend yeah. it. 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. It's good. It's a good one. Next one, Dead Quick, Sea Spiracy, the documentary oh, by wow. Ali Tabrizi, 2021. So it's a recent one. What did you make of that one? Oh, man. I don't, I, can we talk about this quickly? It's yeah. such a good documentary. Now, obviously, you're a vegan, aren't you? So yeah. I imagine this was a great watch for someone who doesn't eat fish full stop but for me it was it was enlightening in yeah. terms of some of the stuff that goes on in order for us to have fish on our plates yeah yeah it was wasn't it to be honest I've always been a bit fuzzy on the fish thing I've often thought well it doesn't really hurt anything does it fishing but when you watch this you kind of go oh actually that's a good reason not to eat fish and you think oh fishing could be done responsibly and not in this kind of mass mass you know factory you know like floating factories just devouring the seabed and everything on it and destroying all these yeah. habitats that produce all the carbon fixing life forms you know all the plants you know you think wow it kind of is sober and that it's just another way we're ruining the planet really isn't it as much as destroying the amazon it was like kind of making out this is more serious than the deforestation that's going on the kind of deforestation of the sea is more yeah, serious yeah. in terms of carbon. The carbon's fixing the fish, it's fixing the plants. And I, yeah, it made me think, oh, I need to, I need to have the courage, not courage of my conviction, because I, I haven't eaten fish for about four years since I went properly. I wouldn't call myself a vegan, man, because vegan's kind of like a religion, isn't it? And the, vegans always want to tell you about it. I don't want to particularly talk about it, because I still wear my old leather jacket from years ago. I wouldn't buy one now. So I kind of think I'm not strictly a vegan. A real vegan wouldn't wear leather shoes or wear a leather jacket. So I'm, I like to think of myself as just trying to follow a plant-based diet. Plant-based diet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry. Wrong, I think wrong, uh, vegan's too high a praise for me. You know what I mean? Because I'm not, I'm not that diehard <laughs> anyway. My, just, just on on spiracy, my my the, the real sore spot for me was the Scottish salmon fishing section. Mm. Because I, I love Scottish salmon. When, when I started watching that documentary with Nadia, I was thinking to myself, please don't talk about salmon. Mm. And for ages they didn't. It was like three quarters of the way the film. Yeah. Throughout the, the dock. And then and then they had a section on it. And I was like, oh, no, here we go. And yeah. they talk about how the waste that the salmon, the intense farming, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, because of the intense farming, is is astronomical. Yeah. And the, the conditions that the salmon have got to live in, you know, the uh -huh. lice eating their faces and stuff. I, I don't know if this is 
for all salmon that comes out of Scotland, but for a good majority it is the case. Mm. And interestingly enough, I was in town maybe a couple of weeks after I'd seen the documentary, and I walked past M&S, and they had window-length adverts for salmon. Two huge window-length adverts, and I thought, wow, they are obviously dealing hmm. with the repercussions of this documentary, which I thought was awesome, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, interesting. Going up, the ele- going up the elevator, there's a big, big Tesco's in town. Going up the elevator there, there again, they had um, banners, big posters for fish, and I thought, it must have caused a little bit of a stir, you know, people seeing this this dock and really thinking about the damage that uh, fishing is doing on a, on a big, big scale, you know. Did they happen to employ those measures? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, sorry, man, my phone went off again. So rude, isn't it? Oh, this is real no. life, man. Uh, Good job I'm... On the ball today. You are. You're, you're carrying me. You're carrying me. Anyway. You're a passenger on this ship, my man, friend. It's doing my head in. I should. I should just leave the phone out of the room because. Anyway, I might be needed as a taxi. I might not. I'm not sure yet. Okay. Okay. So, conspiracy we've covered. It's good. It's sobering. It's a little bit jarring. But it adds to the effect of all these documentaries. I mean, there's so many, aren't there, that are similar, not similar, but make you think, make you reevaluate, whether it's What the Health or Game Changers or Cowspiracy. They're all kind of quite hard-hitting, aren't they? And they do make you think, hmm, maybe I need to change something. I said, to, I said, to, I was having a friend, a coffee with a friend on Wednesday, and I said, don't watch it. Don't watch. I forget which one we were talking really? about. What the Health, the original, one of the original ones. You know, the one yeah, that made yeah. all the footballers go vegan and stuff. I said to him, because I know he likes his meat, I said, and I know what kind of person he is, that he'd take it seriously and he'd probably, it would go in and start working in his mind and he'd yeah, think, oh, yeah. no. Because I just think that each of us has a responsibility to our own bodies, to the planet. Obviously, we're bound by how much income we have and whether we can afford some things, but I think a lot of time it's not about income because I think you could, most cultures, most societies, you could probably eat just as well with a bit of imagination, if you know what I mean, without having to resort to meat. Yeah. It's a yeah. change of thinking, isn't it? It's just changing our thinking, but the, the earth is going a certain way, isn't it? And my uncle used to tell me about this. He's been vegan since the 60s. He used to talk about, you know, the, the conditions the animals were kept in and the new farms that were being built and the kind of mass chicken factories and the way the chickens were being bred and kept do you know what I mean like even just inhumane almost like something out of a science fiction horror film and I used to think and every time I'd see him I'd go down to London or wherever and speak to him I'd be like I'd come away with something and he was like my what's health in the 80s and 90s and I'd come away and go okay change that add that so but anyway like we're covering a lot of films are we filmed too heavy we've done books bird we've watching we've been in lockdown haven't we we've had a lot of film yeah. time to get through so yeah 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 did you watch Nomadland do you have the Disney channel uh, no the Disney channel is expensive is it not I suppose for you with little ones it's worth the price or is it not have I got that wrong well some kind friend of ours gives us one of the let's just share one of the you get like a lot of logins you get about nine logins for wow on one oh, of the packages some large number so they've kindly given us one uh but yeah we have amazon amazon 
yeah, we do have Amazon and we have Netflix and we have Disney. But the kids do watch a lot on the Disney. At first, I wasn't convinced. I thought, Disney? What's Disney going to But actually, they've got lots of good stuff. The yeah, Nomadland, yeah, I'd recommend. We won't talk about it because you haven't watched it, but Nomadland is quite a good one. It's got Francis McDormand in it, and it's about like the 2008 crash and these huge numbers of people who live in caravans and just travel around the country going to work where the work is, like whether it's Amazon or whether it's fruit picking. or And a lot of the elderly, you know what I mean? They're living in these little vans, freezing weather. It was after the 2008 crash, a lot of them had lost their homes and stuff in America. And it was like they were traveling in this nomadic way. And it's good. I mean, it's it's good. The last 15 minutes, we had 20 minutes to watch and we watched the last 20 minutes. And you can almost count how many words were spoken, like on two hands. And some of the acting is so amazing. You kind of think, are they real people? And I'll be honest, I haven't researched it enough to tell you if they are or not. But some of the stories were so heartbreaking. And real, you know what I mean? He thought, are these real? Is this real? And Francis McDormand, you know, he's got this really characterful persona and face. She's kind of, do you know who I mean? She's in like a lot of yeah. Coen Brothers stuff and she's a great leading lady. She gets a lot of great films. You loved that Three Billboards film, didn't you? That she was in. Three Billboards. Outside of Missouri, Three Billboards Outside of Missouri. Is it Francis McDormand? I, 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 I don't think I've seen that. I've, I've seen her in The Dig. I loved her in the day. No, no, unless I've got the name completely wrong, isn't Frances McDormand the one? Because she produces this film as well. She's the one in, and you recommended it. Three billboards outside Missouri. She's the mother trying to get justice from Woody Harrelson. Remember that one you recommended, the film. I the, the daughter's I got that. Three billboards. You recommended it. I. Do you know what? I think Wasn't it you? Yeah, I think I, I saw it, read a review, never actually watched it, but recommended it, and then you've watched it, and you think it's great. I don't remember, unless it wasn't me, because I've not seen it. Three billboards outside of whatever, something Missouri or something. No, no, no. Maybe Weird. that's one we can review next time. My brain's become a mulch or something, mushy. Because I was sure you you were the one who said, watch this, watch yeah, this. Yeah. Anyway, Nomadland, okay, we'll watch that, talk about it another time. Anyway, we've covered films, we've covered some books, we've covered quite a lot of different stuff, haven't we? I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. We could talk about world events, what's going on in Hong Kong. It's quieting down a little bit. Russia Ooh, seems to be... I've, I've not heard about that. I, I, I'd scribbled some stuff down about Israel and Palestine because I think that's really fascinating, but I'd like to hear what's going on in Hong Kong, what's going on over there. Well, it's been going on for a while, hasn't it, where they've been clamping down on oh, right, of course. people yeah, yeah. trying to have freedom to speak and obviously they're protesting about China's influence. And Russia, there's a lot going on there, isn't there? Russia keeps flexing its muscles like it always does. Mm -hmm. You know, on the border with Ukraine, there was talk about them invading. I mean, there's so much. Russia seems to have real issues at the moment with certain groups like Jehovah's Witnesses and homosexuals. They seem to really be picking on, don't they? They do. Which they isn't, do coming hard down. Which isn't nice to see. You know, you think, wow. They don't seem to be learning any lessons from history. As a couple of history boffins, as a couple of history uh, <laughs> teachers, <laughs> They don't seem to be learning anything from, you know, powers that be that go up against and persecute minority groups. Do you know what I mean? You think Hitler was pretty keen on doing that to the likes of Jehovah's Witnesses, and so was Stalin. You think about, you know, the way they, they shipped them off, they locked them up, they tortured, killed them for not Heil Hitlering. And you think this Putin isn't really learning anything. He's letting these despots who, you know, work alongside him or with him or for him carry on in the same vein it's really sad anyway what was your thoughts on that 
Well, and it's not just these small groups um, that are speaking out about it. Are they normal, everyday Russians are aware mm -hmm. and they are protesting, aren't they? Because they understand that if smaller, you know, peaceful groups go, then they're next. That's, That's right. The, the behaviour of a, as you say, a ruthless yeah. dictator. They've seen it in the past and they don't want it to happen again. Yeah, yeah. They're the canaries in the cave, aren't they? Once they drop out of the equation. I have these conversations in work and trade unionists the same, you know, you think all these groups that were persecuted and have their own triangles and the concentration camps, they are the groups who are the kind of indicators as to how a country's going in terms of its nationalism, aggression. And People yet, should be worried when those groups start getting it, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because they're the young, they're the, yeah, the natural easy targets, aren't they, because they're not going to fight back. So, you know, it's easy to label them as extremists or what have you because they won't join your gang but anyway so we've covered russia hopefully things improve please mr putin calm things down <laughs> behave yourself <laughs> i tell you have you listened to any podcasts we could do a quick we're doing a lot of reviews this week this is like a week of reviews isn't it, it we've is. done a country it's review <laughs> just done a country review we've done film review we've done book review have you done do you watch Let's any podcasts any podcasts uh, yeah. you want to recommend? I listened, and I'm very grateful that I did because I was busy this weekend. But whilst I was on my way up to Morecambe yesterday, I listened to Barack Obama's conversation with Bruce Springsteen. I listened to that podcast, great. and it, what a great listen that was. That was really, really nice. Did you listen to just the first episode? Because I think it's about three conversations. Oh, really? Is that is that right? There's oh, okay. a few. No, I, I listened to the first one. I listened to the first and... Yeah. No, my initial thoughts were Barack Obama is so nice to listen to, isn't he? Yeah, he, he speaks. Sounds, yeah, yeah. Not obviously speaks eloquently, but he's for simpletons like myself, you know, he he uses nice imagery and yeah, and and Bruce Springsteen as well. It was a great, it was just a great listen. The two great guys to listen to. I yeah. grew up. I, I mean, I I have to admit, I love Bruce Springsteen in terms of his work, his lyrics, you know, and it those conversations between the two were just quite warm, weren't they? And obviously they were friends and what they were talking about, the reality of America as opposed mm -hmm. to the myth or the ideal of America. You know, this mm -hmm. idealistic, it's a great idea. You know, the idea that everyone should be equal and given a fair chance. But in reality, they're a million miles away from it. And there's the guy who was at the top admitting that, saying, yeah, what a shame, you know. And a black guy who's been at the top, he realises how powerless he was to fundamentally change the country. And Bruce Springsteen, you know, the, it comes out in one of the later ones, and it's the second or the third episode where he's talking about how he, you know, he had, they were a mix of white guys, black guys in his band, the East Street Band in the 70s, and that was a cool thing, you know, like this that fusion, cool. fusion of saxophone and rock, guitar based. Uh, yeah, because, because that's how they begin the conversation, is that, oh, that's how Barack Obama introduces the podcast. He says, on, on paper, I'm a black lawyer uh, politician. Bruce Springsteen is a white guy from, where is it, Jersey? Yeah. He was from New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a rock, he's a cool rock and roll star. So you'd think that they were world apart, but Barack Obama has described himself as a platypus, isn't he? Because he's a mixture of all different kind of things. Oh. And then Bruce Springsteen talks about, he talks about his his upbringing in his very provincial town and his, his grandparents were very eccentric Irish people, weren't they? Mm -hmm. Um, but he had black friends, and he wasn't. He was. He, he was. 
about finding their identity, wasn't it? First and foremost, and then mm. working out where they fit in amongst mm. amongst everything. I love that section where Bruce he he explains he talks you through the the, the song hometown. Oh, yeah. the little boy sat on his father's lap, you know, driving through his hometown. And yeah, yeah. His father saying, you know, this is your town. This is yeah. you're a part of it. The people here, the history. Yeah, it was just you know that I thought that section was great. Like yeah. That's a good summary. I love that. Well, they're both, as you say, they're both a mix. Because America is, as Obama says, it's an experiment that's never happened where people come from every nation, every background, yeah. whether they're Italian or Irish or African or they were forced to come there. Like some, you know, so many people were dragged there as slaves, weren't they, against mm-hmm. their will. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's it is a melting pot. Is. It's just this melting pot of everything, English, German, all these people who've been come together and to try and make something work that's greater than themselves. And it is a great idea, isn't it? But as they say later in the podcast, the reality is so far removed from what it should be and what they'd like it to be, which is almost like this godly thing, this special thing, this spiritual thing. You know, when the Founding Fathers, you know, the Franklins wrote down the document, for one, they didn't think about half the people who were enslaved. You know, They didn't really think to include them in the whole deal. And they talk about that later on, about reparations. Should there be reparations for people who were enslaved? And have never really got from under where they were put, you know, by, you know, the situation that even when they were freed, if they managed to escape from the South and they were immediately locked up in prison for vagrancy and put back into chain gangs, legally, you know what I mean? Like legally enslaved, basically, by the South. The North kind of turned a blind eye to that and the, the reconstruction of the South. You know, these people have always been disadvantaged, even if they got north and got, they were so-called free. So many of them are living in these poor neighbourhoods and then, you know, crime-ridden neighbourhoods and they've never really had that opportunity to break free. Do they deserve reparations? It's an interesting question. question to those last two episodes, I, I didn't, I didn't realise it was um, a three-part thing, but that sounds great. Yeah, I think it's at least three. I think they're like 40 minutes long, but they're well worth a listen. I'm glad you enjoyed them, man, because I wasn't sure how you'd not been a big Springsteen fan. You well, yeah, this is it, and I don't know. I, I'm still in my twenties. Boston, uh, Boston, Boston. You know, I, I've I, and I've not grown up. Uh, I grew up in a, a provincial town myself. You know, I went, I went in Carlisle. You said it several times, man. So much for anonymity. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it's so boring. Um, so it's not something that um, you know I've lived through. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know. Very background i've seen ignorance manifest itself in racism up in carlisle but mm. personally it was it's not something that's raw to me do you know what i mean i don't know how much experience you've had with prejudice in your life not enough i mean yeah some some directly and and you know but yeah no i have not i have not to be the only white face or the only black face in a room of people Again exactly, and again, exactly. again and again. But what I'm trying to say is, despite of that, it's still an excellent listen. You know, it's it is. Really it is something you can relate to, isn't it? Because two nice guys talking about, and you may not agree with their politics. Or I know a friend of mine who used to be a massive Springsteen fan doesn't like Springsteen or Obama for various uh, political religious reasons, and I'm like, wow, that's so strange to just dislike somebody so intensely because they don't agree with you on one thing. I'm sure I wouldn't agree with these guys on lots of things. But I'd agree with them on a lot of things, probably more, and I'd like to think I'd have more in common with them, and we'd go, oh yeah, well I agree on that. You agree on, you know, 
like that uh, you just stick up for the people who are the underdogs you like to, the idea of horrible things like racism being in people's hearts it, it's an abhorrent thing isn't it and it affects their actions as well as their hearts they talk about that later on that you know even friends when they were growing up Obama talks about somebody using one of those horrible words at him one of his friends in a locker room and he punched his friend and it's that even if you're friends with somebody in a moment where do they get that from that word to use that as a kind of they just think I'll pull that out and use some horrible racial slur you know like insult and it's in people's hearts isn't it that if they think that way it's hard to it's, it is it's got to be educated um, out of them hasn't it and you know I, yeah the, briefly that the, the two points that I remember from that podcast was Bruce Springsteen cycling around on his on his bike because it as like seven eight year old knowing which houses he was Mm. allowed to go to which houses he had to stay away from depending on who lived there do you remember mm. that bit in the first episode yeah 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 and that was to do with the color and, of the people's skin was it or something yeah 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 and um having that awareness even as a young person then barack obama talking about running his finger down the the, the board to find out where he was where he was placed in a tennis tournament yeah and then that guy saying oh make sure you you know be careful you might make it dirty well yeah and he's like that was a really interesting moment you know because he turned to him and said, "What do you mean?" Yeah, yeah. And this guy had to kind of assess what he just said. Good. And make him work for his stupidity. It was good, and you know, he said he apologised, but it was those kind of moments that uh, raw. It's like raw material. It's great. You just don't want that, do you? You don't want it in your heart one percent. But what a great listen! I thought I'm glad. I think it was worth us chatting about it because I think if anyone hasn't listened to it and they do, and they are listening to us now, I think it's fair to recommend the uh, Bruce Springsteen, Barack Obama podcast it's good isn't it Definitely. and it's on it things like Spotify you can listen to it another one I recommend and we won't review it to the same extent Adam Buxton I just think Adam Buxton I know we talked about his book but I just love the guy I think him used to be Adam and Joe but it's just him now interviewing different people whether it's Louis Thoreau or you know comedians actors he, for me he's just up there he's such a nice guy I met him once when he came to Liverpool and he was so nice. Everyone else I was with got off and I said, I'm going to go and speak to the guy. And no one was around him. I went and chatted to him and he was so nice and just kind of pleasant and you know, kind. And he was like, they've made me some cakes. Do you want one? And he offered me a cake. One of his yeah, cakes. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. He's such a nice guy. And, you know, when you meet somebody, and I'm not often in awe of somebody, but you think, oh, they're so nice. And I've listened to him for so many years. And I didn't yeah, express yeah, some, yeah. I didn't get a chance to kind of be effusive and say, Man, your work's amazing, and I felt yeah. bad that I hadn't said. Really like what you do. Do you know? What I, mean? I think plenty of people do say that. I'm sure, but he's just a nice oh, guy, yeah. and it's, he's not horrible to anyone. He's not horrible about anyone. He's just for me. He's like a nice English British example of gentle, kind. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. humor. And as you say, it's not you don't idolize him, do you? You appreciate him for the work he's done. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I remember I remember seeing a band once and um, afterwards they were getting on their tour bus but they were kind of hanging around talking to people and I was like, mm. I said to my friend, oh man, I do you want to go and chat to them? And he was like, nah man, as soon as they get off the stage they're just other people. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting mm. viewpoint, I want to chat to them, I want to see what's going on. Mm. But he was very much like, as soon as what they're here for is done, they are just ordinary don't, people. Don't mess with them. Do you know what I mean? And what did you do? Did you, that was... Did you go over? Oh yeah, like a little fanboy. Do you, do you know who it was? <laughs> we are scientists back in like the early noughties when they were big. Right. Um, were they ever big? 
Yeah, they were big. Their first album was amazing. It was it was that indie rock movement of oh, the early nineties. I'm gonna have to listen to it now. I'm gonna have to go away and listen to it. Mystery my death. next question is: Were they scientists? No, they weren't scientists. They were a pretty decent indie band from New York. Right. So they were. And their first album was great. And back in the days of CD, you know, back in the days where you buy a CD. Mm. And you'd listen to every single song on the CD, and you'd really get to know a band. Not now. Mm. And you listen to a couple of their songs on Spotify, mm. and then you play something else. Oh, no. I missed those. They, they were good days. Good days. Have you still got your CDs, or have you got rid? No, I've got rid. I just use Spotify now. I don't really know any <laughs> bands through and through. Like but I mean, your days. CD collection. What did you do with your old CDs? Did you just get rid of them? Do you know what? Like, that's a really good question. I don't know. I don't know what happened to my CD collection. I, the last time I was at my parents' house, my dad was like, "Oh, we chucked up, we chucked away a lot of your stuff recently. He thrown away guitars and everything. <laughs> I, I can't believe it. Man, I to, to be fair, he, he'd given me warnings every the last three or four times. Like he went, you need to get your stuff or it's going to get thrown out. And I was like, okay, okay. And I thought he, he won't throw that out. Charity, know? charity shop, charity shop, surely. But now he's just taking it all to a scrap. Well, the tip, so, they actually really, they didn't even take it to a, help the aged or something and just leave it there for them. Oh no, oh. no time for anything like that man I just can't I can't bin stuff like that I've just got to give it to the charity shop or uh, yeah anyway cool cool we've talked about a lot I mean there's a lot more we could talk about we still haven't found the third the perfect third man Dan is tied up with babies house buying of course of course teaching we're interviewing we're interviewing candidates as we speak Springsteen Obama maybe up there, Unless. possibly. <laughs> that would definitely boost the ratings if you had something like that. <laughs> but anyway, it's just a nice chat, isn't it? At the end of the day, you know what? People listen to this for different reasons. Some are just learning English, how not to speak it, I guess. Do you know what I mean? They just listen to two natural English speakers. That Isn't I mean, it? we're fairly articulate, are we? I mean, when you listen... I listen to it sometimes, and I think, oh, it sounds all right. Some bits sound a bit garbled, but generally... Yeah, you know, yeah. We're pretty clear on Yeah, I think so. We're quite articulate. Yosh. Well, we've covered podcasts a little bit, haven't we? We've covered a couple of podcasts. And we've covered films, and we've covered books. Bird watching. I mean, we could... We're not, we haven't done a thought for the podcast, and we haven't done a history nerd in the house this week, have we? History nerd no. in the house. But, I mean... Time back to our, our country review, one history fact could be, I mean, not not a lot of people, maybe if you're a history boffin or you're into history, you'd know this. Here's one linking back into what we talked about. The concentration camps of Germany and Europe run by the horrible Nazis. They had a, such a variety of symbols and signs. It wasn't just the Jewish stars, which obviously they were the biggest group, the yellow star. They had such a lot. This is the history fact, by the way. Throw, throw the jingle in here. But they had all those interesting triangles, didn't they, for all the different groups? Yeah, and I've actually yeah. taught this in uh, some of my classes in the past. And uh, the kids are fascinated by it. That they had all the different triangles for, like, black was anti-social. But a lot of, lot could come under that umbrella. Gypsies were yeah. brown, triangle. Jehovah's Witnesses were purple, triangle. Uh, the pink triangle, I guess. Homosexuals. That's right. It was almost like they were mocking them. They gave them a pink triangle. And I think the red triangle was for like trade unionist political people. They didn't, you know, agree with the Nazi ideology. 
and blue triangle was for foreigners which I always thought I don't know how that how that worked but anyone you know who was a foreigner maybe like a foreign if you were an English person living in Germany you might have just got rounded up and you know whereas we put them into internment camps didn't we on the Alaman or something yeah. they they got interned in some horrible camp with a blue triangle so it's just there's your history fact bit of a depressing Brilliant. it's a depressing one but it's not it's kind of interesting isn't it that the same it, groups it, we yeah, see being picked thoroughly on thoroughly depressing <laughs> atrocity wasn't it but yeah um what i wonder why then the jews got obviously it's the star of david yeah but the jews got their own star whereas everybody else got triangles that's quite interesting isn't it and they sometimes have ones overlaid like the triangle could be overlaid with the star sure, yeah so say if you were a a Jew, you'd have a, a star background, but you might, if you were a political prisoner, you'd have a red triangle on top of that. You know what I mean? So you could have different symbols combined and other things over it. It was very complex. But anyway, the lessons we learn from history will stop us repeating the mistakes of the future, won't it? How are you getting on with your work? As a final, before we wind this up, how are you getting on with your work? Working from home still? Working from home, yep. Um, and... I think for anybody working from home, they will realise that initially you think, this is great, I'm working from home, I've got more time, but that time is quickly filled up with, uh, with work, and you've really got to rein it in, you've got to make sure that you are navigating working from home properly so that you don't get totally and utterly engrossed in your, in your work. Mm. In the office, you've got people wanting to chat about the football or what you're watching at the moment mm. or what you got up to at the weekend. Um, and then obviously, you know, you just you, there are other distractions. When you're at home, you are in, you are just in the zone the whole time, you know. Yeah. So you've got to be aware of that. That's one thing I'm trying to kind of take on board at the moment. I think you're very conscientious because I, I know when I text you or ring you, you don't seem to pick up except for that little tiny half an hour window you get for your dinner. I can tell that you're so conscientious you're not you're not on fantasy football on your phone you're busy typing doing your computer whiz stuff yeah, and I know yeah, you, it's, you're probably overly fastidious and that yeah you're probably getting more done at home I guess I'm right in saying than you would in the office is that right to say yeah I think uh, yeah absolutely but um, maybe too much yeah too much man and they're asking you to work more aren't they you said They've taken one yeah, of your yeah. days. They're, yeah, they're over time the last couple of months. So. Well, yeah. less time for bird watching. <laughs> less time for the bittens. Bittens, bittens, right. I'm going to go away and research this now. Yeah, cool. Good. Well, you know what? You've got to be appreciated in your work, haven't you? I was thinking, if you're not valued where you where you work, it sounds like some sort of Joe Rogan like, kind of... Thing, doesn't it? If you're not valued, if you, <laughs> if you don't feel like they're appreciating where you are, then you've just got to try and find some other place where you, you can make a good go of it. I know when I went for this job, I've just been in the last 10 years, best part of 10 years, I said, oh, well, I think I just want to be in the place where I can do the most good and the least harm. And yeah. I said that in the interview, and it was a bit of a sound bite, it sounded cheesy, but I got the job. But now I'm thinking, yeah, I need to be somewhere else now. And I'm kind of in the present. I think we chatted about. It. I'm taking steps to remove myself into a more positive place. So, so you'd say that, that that's drive. That's what's driving your current feeling is yeah. not. You, 
not feeling what you felt initially when you that's right I think over the last year the lockdown lots of reasons you know so for me I'm just going to be a full time podcaster no I'm not really is it <laughs> just going to be a variety of I'm going to do other things man I'm going to do other things but the, yeah the position I'm in now I'm I'm deciding it's time for a break and just to go somewhere because at the end of the day you've only got your health you've only got your family you've got to be true to your own physical and emotional and spiritual values haven't you and I just think if you're somewhere where you just think this is the wrong place and I don't agree with this is how it's being run you've got to kind of take yourself somewhere where you can do more good otherwise you're just going to be banging your head against things and maybe not doing your best so I want to go somewhere anyway it's all good we're both young fit healthy positive <laughs> got air in our lungs blood in our veins we're all good it's all positive yeah. anyway man good to talk to you and uh great pod man Thanks yeah man. yeah I'll, I'll we'll get it up on, on we'll get it live soon so everyone can listen to it this week great to speak to you love to the family we yeah. don't live that far I mean you rode to us the other week didn't you on your bike that was incredible I did yeah uh, it's a nice cycle nice super flat cycle isn't it in yeah. and around the pool so that was, that was great I'll be up again very shortly when the weather isn't crap I know it's got to get better hasn't it for, for May it's pretty dismal but it's going to get better it's going to be amazing it's going to be an amazing summer yeah. It's going to be exciting. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so good. And next time we're going to talk about all kinds of things. History, spiritual things, film things, book things. It's just a nice chat. And hopefully we'll have the R-Man, the Dan-Man, maybe. <laughs> or maybe we've got a few other guys in mind, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Male and female, Nadia, possibly. Nadia would like to do uh, a podcast with us at some point. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. That's still on the cards, isn't it? An interview. Because she's had some good, good news professionally speaking we'll talk about that maybe with her if she wants sure. yeah, even just if she comes on for 10 minutes we'll chat to her cool man so we'll say goodbye to our listeners goodbye we love you take care of yourselves stay safe any final words Joseph nope <laughs> nope <laughs> wise words <laughs> no it's fine nope. bye see you later guys see you later <laughs>